0: practice certain exercises, like, uh, for instance, if he were right-handed. All today, he would do everything with his left hand. All day, eating, writing, everything, opening doors, in order to break the habits of living. Because the great danger he felt for him was to fall into a trance, out of habit. He had a whole series of very simple exercises that he had invented just to keep seeing, feeling, remembering. Because you have to learn now didn't used to be necessary, but today you have to learn something like, uh, are you really hungry or are you just stuffing your face? because (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what you do out of habit. I mean, you can afford to do it, so you do it, whether
1: you're hungry or not.
0: Welcome
1: back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. And today I chatted with my man, Neil Pearson from Life is Now Pain Care. Uh, Neil is right. He is a physical therapist. He's a yoga therapist. He has a very broad, expansive perspective on what it means to move well and how to get that dark, evil pain out your body. Um, Really fascinating discussion. We get into defining what the heck pain is, how we can start to really assess and work with that in our own bodies. Um, We got into some pretty abstract discussions in the relation to, could pain be a habitual thing that we create? The same thing as habituation of our eating patterns, the same thing as habituation of our thoughts, the same thing as... Maybe that nagging leg, knee, hip, back, whatever pain—maybe it's something that you're
0: practicing every day. And what we need to do is start practicing something different. Um, a lot of people who have ongoing pain have a very disrupted ability to feel themselves. Like their, their, you know, their sense of physical self is distorted. Um, sometimes people's even their their sense of their environment is distorted, which is a pretty that almost sounds like total woo-woo stuff. The, the you know, the, the thought that not only could your view of yourself be distorted, but your view of where things are in the world, uh, pain can do that too.
1: So, really, really fun conversation. We even started towards the end. If you listen into to the end, we get into uh, chatting about the impact of marijuana. Don't say it. Reefer Madness. Marijuana on uh, uh, potentially retooling our perspective on ourselves, on our body, and opening ourselves up to the wide variety of potential tools that we have access to. Uh, we don't only need to reach for pharmaceutical drugs and develop big pharma. We uh, There's a lot of natural routes we can go. I know talking about things like marijuana makes people still a little uncomfortable. And I'm not saying it's for everybody. Uh, not condone any type of supplements for any folks. But I would like us to open up our perspectives just a little bit. Loosen up our seams a bit. And recognize that a lot of our perspectives are a product of just what we were born into. I would like us to simply... See step back and really analyze and evaluate what is the best thing for me and for my family without the influence of the government laws and the FDA and what my grandma told me. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Please utilize website aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N-therapy.com on there. you find hundreds of free videos on subcare and functional movement. You'll find the self-care kit, which is a hollow foam roller inside two different size balls, a heavy duty band and a door anchor so you can adjust the height of that little sucker and decompress your joints. Utilize it for exercise purposes if you choose and uh, everything you need wrapped up into a little kit to keep that body moving well. Keep the joints decompressed, keep that tissue hydrated. Thank you so much. For tuning in, um, please subscribe, share, do all that stuff on iTunes. That's helpful. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Here we go, back to the shizzy with Mr. Neil Pearson.
0: Rap. A line podcast.
1: And I'd love to get into the science of it as well, just because I'm kind of geeky like that, and I I I find it really interesting. And if people don't want to hear it, screw them. (laughs) Already. because because I want to know,
0: Neil. All right.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Um, so we can get going here. Are you good for for what, what's our time frame? Are you good for till like till like noon or so?
0: Till noon? Yeah, I think there's somebody who might be knocking on my door just right after noon, but. All right. Cool. Fantastic. <laughs> well, then I will try to wrap
1: it up by then. Um, okay. So Neil Pearson, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I have had this itching, burning question in my mind for the last decade or so. And I haven't been able to crack it. I have no idea what the heck pain actually is in the body. And so I'm, I'm seeking out all the world's finest folks of, of, to figure out what the heck is this thing? Because we have all sorts of definitions. You know, we talk about, you know, the mechanoreceptors and the thermoreceptors and the glial cells. And like, there's so many different explanations. And then we get into the energetic stuff and it's like, Om shanti. And it's like,
0: what is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you just uh, sort of hit the nail on the head. One of the biggest problems is that it's uh, it really actually isn't one thing, and we we so want it to be. We want it to be like you know that that table or that desk or that computer to be a uh, you know as some of my colleagues say we want it to be a noun, but pain's a it's a life process. It's an experience. It's a it's a verb, mm. right? So it's not the same thing to everybody, but we can. We can look at what pain is based on, on the science of it, right? We can look at what happens to um, our body and what happens to the cells and how the, the nerve system sends you know messages up to the spinal cord and up to the brain and how all that works. Um, but then we, we you know when we're talking about pain, we have to talk about the, the, the human experience of it, right? right? So the, um, so you just to uh, go along with what you're saying is um, about a year ago, I decided to do a talk. It was actually a talk on pain neuroscience. And um, I decided to uh, title it um, "Pain: A Complex Human Experience, A Whole Lot Like Love." Right. And I got a lot of people show up for the talk because they they were really interested in what the heck that meant. Right. right. So, but then we really just talked about the pain neuroscience of it. But th- the point is, the uh, uh, the pain, as you said, isn't isn't one thing at all. Yeah. 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 So, can we kind of
1: do a, a vague description <laughs> of, of maybe what the neurochemical, mechanical explanation of what the heck it is. You know, once we hit our nociceptive threshold and we get a stimulus up to the spinal cord, like can we kind of, I know it's a model and I know it's, you know, it's like partially, it's only a part of the story. It's an extraction of the organic experience. But nonetheless, people like to have these anchor points.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that's, it's important to understand is that most times when we feel pain that we would say is in our body, What's happened is something has excited these nerve cells. So as you said, nociceptors, nocice is a lot more that has to do with pain, and scepter has receptors related to it. So there's these nerve cells in your body that will get excited if something potentially dangerous in terms of mechanical force, you know, like if you squeeze my hand really hard or like, you know, I do a really deep yoga posture and really stretch, those two mechanical things could fire off these nerves and say, hey, that might be dangerous. Um, uh, but they also these nerves also get excited by potentially dangerous uh, heat and potentially dangerous cold. And they also get excited by chemicals. So mostly the chemicals they get excited by are like chemicals that come out of broken cells in your body when you're in yourself or chemicals of inflammation. So you've got these cells in your body that actually respond to a whole bunch of things, right? So temperature, mechanical, and chemical stuff. And if they get excited enough – Right, so I'm actually, maybe I'll back up before I go on with that and say you can you can get something like that happening in the body where the nerves are actually detecting, you know, something is going on there, but the nerves aren't actually firing any signals yet, right? Because there's not enough not um, enough stimulus, you know, like if um, for you to uh, see something, there's got to be en- enough light coming into your eyes,
1: right? Right, and the right frequency of light.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas you know smells a little bit different. It's, it's, that's one of the fascinating ones is we can actually smell one molecule of something which is pretty weird for the sensory units but your pain system isn't like that so you could say smell is a very it's got a really low threshold to get the nerves excited to send messages to your brain whereas in the, in the nerves that are in the pain system they typically have a very high threshold. It takes a lot to get them excited to send a message up towards your spinal cord. That makes sense? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense and then
1: it gets completely wishy-washy, you know, gray areas <laughs> when we start thinking about things like congenital insensitivity to pain, or right. al- or Aladinia, you know, or this, which is like allodynia being hypersensitivity hypersensitivity to pain, and then the congenital sensitivity to pain thing being when we lack this gene that causes us to not feel anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, so, we- the, the, what about everybody in between there?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we thought that we sort of had this idea that that. The sensitivity or the threshold of those nerves was sort of, it's what you're born with. But of course, we know that life experiences can totally change um, those nerves to change the threshold. So as like allodynia, which is this hyper excitability, hypersensitivity, the nerves have essentially learned to, to fire off without, um, without much stimulus whatsoever. Um, whereas some, sometimes those nerves can actually be changed so that it takes way more to get them excited to send a signal up right yeah. so they 're adaptable and, and we actually think that when people have chronic pain, the adaptation that 's happened most of the time is that the nerves themselves their the threshold of, of stimulation goes way down, so the the nerve hardly needs any input at all before it starts to send a signal up towards the spinal cord. Right. Okay?
1: And so for all the folks that are in the in-between zone, because I think it's very interesting. I mean, with, with, in the case of like the congenital insensitivity thing, you know, it's like there's a very specific gene that we're locking. It's like SCNA9 or I, I don't remember what it was like, you know, but so it's, it's, we can break it down and take a blood sample and, and find out it's like, oh, you're missing this gene. So therefore, blah, blah, blah. For all the other folks that may be like, we have this gene, you know, but we, it's still, I've had this freaking ankle pain for the last 20 years, you know, and I'm like, it's like, everything's fine. I look at my ankle, it's not inflamed, it's not edemic. Like, I've looked down, it's like, it looks good, you know, and it still hurts. You know, so right. for that person, or back pain is a more obvious one because, you know, X, you know, a huge percentage of people are suffering from that. You know, like, so what about those people that we haven't given them some kind of, you know, disease <laughs> <laughs> title? They're
0: just, there's just people with pain. Yeah. Like, where did well, they get I started? What historically, what we've done is we've, we've had this idea, well, I should say, historically, for the last like 300 years or so, maybe 400 years, we've had this idea that if, if there's still pain, there's the, the problem is that the tissues aren't right. That that's you know we had this idea that that's the only thing that could relate to you having ongoing pain, right. but we know that that if those nerves start to sort of act in an unusual way, almost like a maladaptive response, right? right? We want those nerves in our body to tell us when something dangerous is going on, but sometimes they adapt in a way where they become hypersensitive and now uh, things that aren't dangerous uh, are are getting those nerves to fire off, so. That person who has that that all that time of the pain in their ankle or all that time of the pain in their back—it's always possible that what's going on is that the primary change that's happened in them is somehow the nervous system is uh, it's it's changed its threshold and it's firing a lot more signals. And but we also have to go beyond just the body because the brain itself could be interpreting the signals in a different way. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And so that gets into your perception of your reality, you know. And so if I were to you know rub a feather across your arm but you know I be telling you that i'm going to i'm going to hit you with a blowtorch yeah. you will perceive a violent painful experience you know and yes. there's been there's been there's been studies this is I, I was checking this out like months ago so it might not be perfect the way to explain it but um something along the lines of the way that we perceive color on our skin actually enhances or reduces our perception of pain as well. You know, so if you get a red light on your arm, that denotes, ooh, fire, hot, burn. You know? Versus if you get like a, you know, a green light or something like that, it's like, oh, no big deal. It's just a little you know, blade of grass or it's
0: cool breeze. <laughs>
1: you know, yeah, and that's,
0: and that's such cool stuff because what the scientists have been showing is that it's not just changing the way you think about it. That if you expect that red one to be a lot more painful, it just doesn't change what's happening in your brain. It changes what's actually happening in the nerves right there in your arm. Right. So that that uh, this interaction between um, the nerve activity in your body and the nerve activity in our brain is something that we've uh, we continue to resist. We continue to have a struggle with the idea that uh, uh, that the brain itself can have such a vast change or influence on the. Threshold of sensitivity in the nerves of our body Right And so mm. you I mean, not, not only you But
1: pain's been related to being a, a Biocycle social phenomenon <laughs> Right yeah. Which, That's just super fun to say uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the most important part <laughs> yeah, you is, know? Right. And then secondly I think almost The human experience is a, is a Biocycle social phenomenon Every aspect of what's happening In you Is that you know, it's, it's, it's your biology relating with your psychology relating with your whole social experience, you know, and your past experience and it's all manifesting and wrapping up into this package that you call Neil Pearson, you know, Excellent. and I call Aaron Alexander. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, that's the, one of the cool things is in, you know, uh, in pain medicine, there's been this move towards this biopsychosocial perspective and view. Um, but even there, we're still struggling is a lot of times people uh, will think that it means that if you have pain, it's either a biomechanical problem or a biomedical problem, or it's a psychological problem, or it's some sort of you know social, psyche, spiritual problem. Right. You know, as if we, we separate the three together. But uh, I love the way that you just said that because you're saying that it's an integrated unit, right? right? And that uh, we know that that um, your body changes your mind and your brain and your brain and your mind change your body, and it's all one thing affects the other. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so
1: then that's uh, something that I've been, it's becoming more vividly apparent in my own experience that everything is related. What's happening in my little, you know, cells is a product of the conversations that I'm having, the relationships that my, my, my feel, my felt sense of self worth, you know, my Mm -hmm. feeling of connection, integration with the rest of the world, you know, all that stuff that we're starting to isolate ourselves and pull ourselves out of integration. You know, integration with society, integration with our own bodies, you know, pulling ourselves out of integration, all these various different levels, you know, and then what that creates is incongruency. Incongruency equals stress or friction. Friction equals fire.
0: (laughs) Fire equals pain. (laughs) Right on. Well, you know, one of the things that we know is that the experience of people in pain is that the pain, the stress, the suffering of pain disconnects you from everything you just said. Right, it disconnects you from your community from your job from your relationships uh, we even know it disconnects you from feeling your body well right there's so much evidence now that says um, a lot of people who have ongoing pain have a very disrupted ability to feel themselves like their you know their sense of physical self is distorted yes. um, sometimes people's even their their sense of their environment is distorted which is a pretty that almost sounds like total woo-woo stuff. The, the you know the, the thought that not only could your view of yourself be distorted, but your view of where things are in the world, uh, pain can do that too.
1: Right. right? Yeah. So you're you're in my, you're in a line therapy right now. You can see why the stability balls and the gymnastic rings, all the random crap hanging off the ceiling. Yeah. You know. And so here I work with people to kind of help folks figure out where the heck they are in space. Exactly. You know? And so oftentimes when working with people, you know, they have like one shoulder that's dropped down and then their pelvis is all tilted forward and then their foot's all hanging out like it's dragging, like it's like a, you know, like a wet newspaper or something, <laughs> you know? And from their perception of what's going on, they're like, I'm good, man. I'm totally, totally good. Right. You know? And then I look at them and I'm just like, Mother of God, <laughs> like, how did this happen to you? You know, and and what I've noticed is exactly what you're saying is oftentimes people that I've talked about this before on the show, people that feel like they're good, you know, they're in the worst condition, you know, because they're actually they've actually toned down their sense of what's happening in their self. You know, the people that come in to see me and are like, I got this thing, and my thoracic, in my T7 feels a little blah blah blah, and my elbows a little this and I have a pronation and they're like Grr. they have all this this big explanation of what's happening in their body. And you look at them and they're like elite. You know their bodies are doing so well, but they're paying so much freaking attention, almost to the point that you know it might actually be pathological sometimes. You know, but but it's very interesting how we have that ability to numb ourselves to ourselves. You know, and I think that's a product. If you've ever seen like Touching the Void, you know, which is a movie. Which you live you live out in out in Skaha, or how, how do you call that? Where where do you live at?
0: Oh, Penticton. Yeah. In yeah. the Okanagan Valley.
1: Right. You know, and so, and so you live out in the mountains, you know, and it's like when you go through traumatic situations in your body or your mind, you know, your body, it's, its main agenda is survival. How do I survive today? You know, so if it bombards you with all of the different crap that's going on in your body, that may not necessarily be the most opportune thing for you to, you know, succeed in your job interview or whatever it is. You know, so the the question is, how do we start to unpeel these layers, right? right? Everyone's an onion and every day we're adding a new layer. How do we keep these layers consistent, congruent, healthy, integrated? You know, how do we start the peeling process?
0: Well yeah and I think you know I think as physiotherapists it's one of the things that we've we've done you know and movement therapists we've we've taken people and we've given them exercise you know this the idea of making it more stretchy or more strong but as soon as we do that one of the things we're doing is we are actually demanding that the person pays attention to their body and how their body can move in space and we've sort of missed this idea that it's possible that one of the reasons people might get better is because uh, they're actually reconnecting to their physical, the, the physical sense of their body, right. and relearning where their body is in space and how to move it in space. Which, um, yeah, we we know that pain can disrupt that, and we know that um, at least clinically, we know that when you work on that stuff, it really helps people get better. Um, but of course, we've always wanted to attribute, you know, exercise like the core exercises. We've always wanted to attribute that. Well, maybe not you and I. But, you know, we generally wanted to attribute that to uh, the reason they work is because they got people stronger or they made people more stable. But uh, when we see that it actually demands people pay attention to their body, right, right, to get reconnected, I think that's really key to, to the success.
1: Yeah. And so I've seen some interesting studies in relation to sequencing of, of muscles. So like, you know, if your transverse abdominis fires first to stabilize your core and your trunk before said activity, those people are significantly less likely to, to experience pain, back pain, you know, and that actually makes quite a bit of sense to me, you know, but I, I think that it's what we end up doing is we end up missing out on the grander explanation of what that is. of like, their whole system is sequencing well, you know, it's not like it's like you need to go in specifically and like fire the transverse abs, you know, and that'll work. It's, it's like what activities are they doing throughout their day, you know, that's causing their their musculature to sequence in, a, in an effective way. You know, how do they feel about themselves? You know, how they, the way that they're walking around, the way that we move through the world determines our posture, determines the position of our body in space. You know, so I think there's a lot more explanations and kind of like tree branches coming off of, you know, a, a study like that. And we get wrapped up in saying like, oh, there it is. You know, it's the it's the TVA. We got to just fire that thing and then it, that's the holy grail. You know, so Yeah, we, we
0: want simplicity, right? Exactly. Which is really unfortunate. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times when people do the kind of work that, that you're describing, others will say, "But you're missing the body." Of course, I know from hearing you that you're not. But a lot of people think that when you look when you look at the broader perspective, then you miss the fact that the the body and the tissues actually have some importance. Right.
1: So for you working with people, let's get specific. And you know, Mm -hmm. I have mid back pain between my shoulder blades, right? Right. And it's been there for. Ten years, you know, and like it feels better when 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 I move, you know. But then it kind of comes back when I slow down a little bit or whatever, you know. Like, what is that? What I haven't been able to crack it. And you like, what do I do? Where do I start?
0: Oh. Wow, yeah. I mean, that's so hard to know. It would. I, I think what we really need to do with the person who comes in with that is do a really great, obviously, really great assessment. We want to get in there and see. Um, you know, what's going on when we look at it, what's going on when we feel it with our hands, you know, recognizing that that's, you know, there's some flaw in that information, but, you know, see that. uh, We want to get the person to move around and see how movement affects their pain. We want to see how, uh, I think we need to go to looking at um, when the person moves, how do they breathe? And uh, we want to look at, uh, you know, find out um, can the person even feel that part of their body anymore? Because you know, maybe all they can feel there is pain. They, that um, you know, can you imagine like taking your mind's attention down just to say your lower back, which feels fine, and you can you can feel that it exists, and you can feel sort of the you can feel the details of your body there. But then you go up to that mid mid back pain or mid back area where there's pain, and you say, well, you know, I can't really feel my body there. Right. So I mean, I think that we need to figure these things out, as you're saying, is look broader as well. Is still look at what's going on you know, at that sort of the tissue and the movement and what we can feel and what we can see, but also, uh, you know, look at things like when the person breathes, what happens in that area? Right. Um, and then even, and you know, do that when they're at rest. And then even say, okay, well, now let's get the person to move. And let's, you know, not only really watch how they move, but let's look how they breathe when they move. Right. Um, because, you know, and I think, I think that when... Um if every time you move your mid back if you hold your breath and all the muscles around there squeeze tight to protect you right um i think that that's actually going to give you that's going to be part of why it hurts when you move right and if we can check that out and then say, well, let's see if we can change that and see if it changes, then that's a bit of a, like you're saying, it's a broader view of, of, of the person than just saying, there's the problem right at that joint. The joint's not moving right. We need to fix the joint. Um, I think it's worthwhile to look at that, but then to look at the person even more.
1: Right. And then as you know as well, when you get, sustain some type of injury, for example, you know your brain tends to almost scramble the signals around that injured limb. You know, it's yeah. like you know, we scramble the program there like we don't use that now. Yeah. You know, and I think it's an interesting thing that <clears throat> oftentimes with rehab and such there's a few things I think are interesting about the way that we approach rehab, but but oftentimes, you know, we don't really develop redevelop the sophistication of said area you know and an injury doesn't mean to that you got hit by a bus in india you know an injury could be i've been hunching over my desk for the last 25 years you know and i've and i'm I'm continually repeating these same dysfunctional stressors over and over and over again day in day out that's a that's a legitimate injury in your body or your brain could be perceiving that as a legitimate injury you know and so we're so scrambled in those signals of what's happening there, it's like, okay, let's see. We're getting back to the guy with the back pain, let's check out your thoracic extension. You know, mm-hmm. let's ha- check out your sophistication around those facets of the joint. Facets being little sliding, sliding plates that your your vertebra is sliding on. You know, it's like, how is your sophistication through these ranges of motion? Do you have a clear, beautiful, coherent signal relating up into your brain, or is it muck?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know and that's i think that's a really interesting that's that's one piece of the puzzle you know is like i i, I explained is developing the conversation you know it's you want to have a really articulate beautiful fluent conversation <laughs> with all aspects of your body you know and a lot of people are just like talking pigeon you know like they're just talking like broken down english which is fine you know but i think sometimes a lot of data information can get scrambled with that and then The brain probably perceives that as potentially an emergency. I'm just kind of throwing stuff out there. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I
0: think that makes some sense. And if we take over that analogy even more, we say it's possible that whenever anybody moves that area, um, that the area only says one thing. There's one sentence that comes out all the time. And So when you look at the back and the person moves, you see it only has one movement pattern to do. Like the whole thing moves like a unit or or that. it seems to be that we are healthiest and we suffer the least when our body has multiple patterns that it can choose from. Right. right? That if you if your body can only move that way, um, yeah, it seems to give us. It seems to uh, yell and scream at us a lot more than we can. Move lots of ways. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So that's so that's layer one of the onion you know the more a little bit more expansive perspective on movement is the way that we're describing it but you know the next layer is how do you feel about yourself right you know and so so what so so is that i personally very strongly believe that that is a part of it but some people will be like you're smoking too much weed Aaron." (laughs) (laughs) it's like, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I I feel like the way that you, we feel about our, you know, our emotional self, our relationships, our connection, all that, those are stressors or you stressors, you know? And so it's like, we need to take that into account as well. What's the degree of stress in your system from all angles and relationships is, I think is one of the biggest potential you stresses or, you know, negative distresses.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I've just been working on writing up a, a book chapter about how to move when there's pain, sort of a unique idea with, with a, a, a PT colleague close to you down there. He's in Portland. His name's Corey Blinkenstaff. Okay. And he and I have just been reviewing all this stuff about what, what pain does to us as individuals and how it changes us. So, um, just to go a little bit lower, you know, not quite as broad as you were talking about, we know that pain changes our uh, sense that we have control over things. Right, so if we felt competent before, often pain makes us feel like we're not competent. Um, Pain, you know, there's so much evidence that says that pain uh, creates uh, anxiety and depression and fear, and of course, when you have those uh, thoughts and feelings, that changes your view of yourself as well. Right, Um, you know, this whole idea of of um, pain changing your thinking so that your brain is now catastrophizing everything, right? You, you experience something small and your brain just magnifies it and turns it into this massive thing. Right. So we know pain's, pain is changing uh, all those aspects of us. So um, when you first said, you know, we got to look at how, how uh, pain changes how we feel about ourselves. First thought I was having is, yeah, I mean, do, we re- do people really need more evidence around this? Because we've got so much evidence that says that pain messes with this. Right? and and that it doesn't make any sense when a person has a complex chronic pain problem to not address how the person views self
1: sure you know yeah. and I, I think that that's to me that's like ugh, so so crucially obvious in my own body that when i have an injury it affects my whole personality you know, it affects my whole outlook. On, and I try to, like, get past that. And it's, it's usually a pretty quick process, you know, of, yeah. like, you know what? Like, things can be much worse. I could have broken my blah, 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 you know. But it's, like, the way that you move around, like, I like to be able to move around the world powerfully. You know, I, yeah. like, to, I like to feel like, oh, I could pick that up. Oh, I could wrestle that guy. <laughs> <You> know, <or laughs> I could climb that tree or I could climb that mountain or I could whatever. Right. You know, like it's it's you know, there's probably some ego involved in that, and la la la. But nonetheless, like it feels really nice to to have that sensation. You know, and when you are impaired, you know, all of a sudden it changes my perspective on things a bit, right. you know, if all of a sudden you're walking with a limp, you know, all of a sudden your reality is left to right, left, right, wobble, wobble, you know, as opposed to this strong, powerful movement through the world. You know, I think that that can, what that ends that, up doing is it impacts what's happening to you at an emotional level. It ends, ends up impacting what happens to you on a neurological level, the way that your brain and your body and your mind perceives itself. All of a sudden, you're a vulnerable, injured animal,
0: <laughs> but, and, you know, we, it, it, it should be obvious to everyone, but it doesn't seem to be, is that if an injury to your body can change the way you, you, you your brain, perceives your, your body, right. um, then that means that when the brain is perceiving the body differently, that can actually change what's happening in the body, right? Right. So the thing in the body has changed what's happening in the brain. What's going on in the brain can change what's happening in the body. And so sometimes what we need to do is work on how the pain has affected our view of ourself, right? right? Yeah. But some of my colleagues hear that and they say, Neil, it sounds like you know you've you've given up being a physical therapist and you're uh, you're turning this, you know, you're saying that the, that the problem is all in the person's head. And we're saying, well, no, but but it's something that we need to address. Is that what happens in our body changes, you know, so to say, what happens in our head. So, and sometimes all we need to do is work on the body and all that stuff will sort itself out. Right. But we've all seen it that sometimes we work on the body, the best way on the body and that's not enough. Right. And that's where we, uh, in my view, we need to say let's keep on looking, working on the body. Don't, don't give up on that. Keep on working on the body but now look bigger right. you know, and, and, and help people out with this stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, and it's, I've, I actually, I've, I've heard you say this, but I don't know if you can, I don't, I, maybe you came up with it. It's, it's uh, don't treat the body, treat the person. And you know, I've heard, I've heard you saying that in something, but I feel like I've heard that before. I'm not sure. Is that I'm yours? Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's not mine. I didn't think so. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't anyway, know
0: if I anything. is mine. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody does, <laughs> you know, but so that's a, a really big thing. Is like, it tr- when, when someone comes into your office, you know, you have a patient come in or a friend or your mom or whatever you know, and they have this thing happening in their body, you know, you could do amazing work with that person just by being sensitive to the fact that there's a human being in the room, you know, and that human being comes with all sorts of packaging. And as you start to, you know, unload those various different briefcases that they come in with of their life. You know, we can start to get into some really interesting, interesting stuff. But most people end up staying at more of a superficial level, you know, and all they do is they kind of like scrub the outside of the car. It's like, dude, the engine is is smoking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a good one, yeah.
1: You know, and so it's like and another, another thing that I think is really important is, you know, it's like practice. I didn't come up with this. You know, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. You know, and so recognizing that everything that we do, when we're practicing pain, when we're practicing vulnerability, or vulnerability is great, but you know, when we're practicing, you know, like fragility, you know, yeah. we're 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 making that be a permanent aspect of ourselves, and we need to recognize that everything is a habituation, mm-hmm. you know. And so, if you habitually are, you know, utilizing apologetics, you know, and getting into like, oh, I have this bum leg, I have this bum whatever, it's like. Yeah, you're right, man. Good luck with that.
0: Well, you know, I think one, the one word I'd change what you're saying, Aaron, is just a, instead of saying it's uh, permanent, is is relative, relatively permanent, right? Sure, because right. uh, you're so right. The practice, practice, you know, just the the, uh, the experience of pain day to day to day means your nervous system is practicing it, right? Um, and but the last thing we want to do is get people to practice more of that when we're getting them to move, right? As you're saying, right? Um, but I think. To me, it's one of the really big things for people to understand is that if you've had pain for a while, the nervous system has actually been practicing that. Right. And so, if you're going to change it, don't expect to change it in a more permanent manner today. Right. Expect that if you find something that decreases the pain today, so you you need to now celebrate and say, "Let's do that over and over and over and over again for the next months." Because you're trying to fight against getting this this relatively permanent change in the nerve system to, to change uh, in the way you want it. Right. right.
1: And another interesting thing. I'm just kind of like trying to throw as many pieces to the puzzle for <laughs> people. Like maybe something will stick. But like, oh, I want to try that. Yeah. You know. But you know, is from my understanding, uh, our 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 motor pathways are are connected with our um, how's it how's it go motor pathways and our pain pathways are interconnected right, right. and please correct me if i'm off on this <laughs> you know, so so our motor pathways and our pain pathways they share pathways you know and yeah. so what can happen is you could be moving through a painful position or a position that your your body perceives as being painful and then you can heal you know you can you can recover from that but you're still kind of those wires are still crossed that like Every time I do this thing, I create this pain. You know, right. the 50 fifty cent word of the of the podcast that is I believe they unite. It's called the the dorsal column medial lemniscus is the uniting point. Which again, it's just a fun word to say. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't need that. It doesn't need, we don't need to remember that. You know, yeah. but, but but recognizing that those pathways are merging. You know, and so sometimes right. you might just be moving through what your brain perceives as a bunk pathway. You know, so, right. so sometimes all you need to do is change the way that you move through the world and all of a sudden you start to change those pathways. Does that make yeah. sense? Well,
0: oh, yeah, I think, and, and, you know, what um, David Butler and Norm are mostly one of the words I love of theirs is the neurotag. tag. Um, so you move and now there's this process that happens in your brain where your brain is actually has connected that movement with the production of pain. That's it. And every time you move that way... That's going to turn on that tag, like you know, like a graffiti artist writing his tag. And so one of the things that we need to do is we need to find a way, how do we get people to move in a way that doesn't turn on that, that, that tune, right? or, or turn that tag on? And, right. um, it's, I mean, it's so cool that we can do this often with I think it's another reason why sometimes the funky movements we get people to work and do uh, really, really work. Because the person's moving, they're so focused on moving in this way they've never thought of moving before that that actually engages the brain a different way so they can do the movement without turning on that tune or that tag. Right. Um, and I, there was just recently a study they were, they were talking about, uh, and I think it was one of Mosley's group, um, where they got people with neck pain and they got them to turn their head to the side and see how far they could move. and Then they put these goggles on them that distorted how far they moved. So when they turned their head the goggles made them think that they were actually moving less. So wow. so the, so the person before say they could move to 30 degrees and it would hurt, right? And now you put the goggles on, but when they move over to about 45 degrees, now their eyes are telling them I've moved 30, right? That's so and cool. So so changing their visual input, now the brain is is the brain is saying it hurts when I move 30 degrees. And right. so you give the, the the brain this other visual input that says you're only you've only moved thirty degrees when you've actually moved forty-five, and it doesn't hurt until you get to forty five.
1: Which is just awesome.
0: another getting around that tag. And, and you know, we say, well, how could we do that without this fancy equipment? Sometimes if a person who has neck pain, you get them to turn and look over the shoulder, and find out how much it hurts, and if you can sit them in a chair or a stool that turns and you get the person to look straight on forward. And then get them to leave their head still and turn their shoulders and their body underneath it. Right. A lot of times, that will let them move further without turning on that tag because it's a different movement thing.
1: That is really cool.
0: I, I, yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> That's radical. You know, and- if
0: if you can experience that, right? If you can imagine you were the person in pain to experience that, then we can say, look, pain is changeable. Right. right? This, this, this is good news. This means that if we can do this, we can change the pain. We can change your ease of movement. Let's keep going. Right. right?
1: It's a similar concept if you, if you anesthetize somebody. You know? And so someone under, under anesthetics, they got fantastic range of motion. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, you know, it's like how much of this is, our, is ourselves putting ourselves in a box? You know, yeah. it's, it's like, we, we have these defined beliefs of who we are and how we move and how much pain we have. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much of this could be worked out, you know, through things, you know, like, like psychotherapy, you know, mm-hmm. or through very like approaching it from a, a broader perspective than just, you got to move your elbow differently. You know, I think yeah. it's an interesting thing when you get into something like, like hypochondriacs, you know, where it's like. Maybe for some people, we're trained to believe that when we're in pain, people pay attention to us more. People take care of us more. You know, there's so many layers to this thing that it's like there. There's so many factors with that. Yeah. You know, so well, that's the differentiation part that I'm confused about.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I like I like the way you said it. Is is that the person is trained? Because often we we have this idea that people who have Big reactions in terms of um, pain—they're doing it on purpose. Um, But we need to, you know, we we need to recognize that the automatic systems can do that to us, totally without our conscious involvement. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the more we learn about this, the more exciting it is because it opens up more doors. And and I think you're right—is that this idea that um, some people who have ongoing pain the door in is through their psyche, right. right? And some people who have chronic pain, the door in is through the, the, the spirit, right, the, the spiritual side or, or some people the door through is um, through their body, right? Sure. Um, and you know you know, I'm a yoga therapy guy, right? Yeah. And when you look back at the uh, a long, long time ago, there actually were four paths of yoga, um, the one path that most of us know is the one where there's a lot of movement and breath work and meditation and all that sort of together in a package. Right. Um, and it seems that most people, you know, yoga is about decreasing suffering, right. right? And for most people, the way to do that is to do this sort of big package. But the yogis had three other sort of uh, paths. And one of the paths was paths they said to less suffering was love and devotion. Right. Another path was uh, actually knowledge, right? Because some people, if you just you know, learning will make the change. Yeah. And then the other path was actually serving others, Yeah, which I think is is sort of cool. I'm not saying yoga is the answer for everything, but I think it's an interesting thing to consider that, you know, for thousands of years, people have had this idea that when we suffer, that there's different ways that we can work on it,
1: right? right?
0: Yeah. And us as physical therapists, until recently, our training really was if you're suffering from pain in your body there is one door that we get to go through and that's to fix the tissue and that's it.
1: Right. And that's when I, that's where I think certain things, um, you know, I see that almost like religion, you know, it's like we, people feel like, you know, I might be getting get a lot of criticism for this. But that's okay. And you know, I feel like, I feel like we feel, we all feel like we have the answer, You know, it's like, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Taoist, I'm a Christian, I'm a, you know, this. It's like, and I'm the only one that's right because I was born into this and this is what my parents told me. You know, it's like being patriotic because you were, you know, born in a country. It's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it doesn't make any sense. You know, and and so, and so Uh, you know, I think that the similar concept can happen with beliefs like that where it quite obviously is all of those factors. Yeah. You know, it's like all of those factors will get you to a better place. Develop your knowledge, develop your relationships, develop your, you know, the other things that you said, you know, all of those different, they're all different ways to the top of the mountain, you know? So it's like, I think the really important thing is that we leverage all of that. You know, I think, I think that like, don't isolate yourselves from other religions
0: because they're wrong and they're bad. They
1: might have something really great to offer.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of the pain area, if we think of, uh, one of the biggest things that I think has been missing in sort of pain care for complex uh, pain problems is the idea of getting people to do something every day to feel joy. Right. Um, you know, if you sort of think, if you know, if you can imagine that person who's got pain 24 hours a day and how it's affecting them, yeah. um, essentially the person is trying to manage their pain all day. And so, another way to think of it is they've actually got a 24-hour day job of pain management. Right. And it's a 24-hour day crappy job right, right? Totally. so you wouldn't give anybody a job without a break or a vacation sure. and so when the pain is you know really it's big enough that it's really having a big impact on you I think it's one of the pieces that we've been missing is this idea of we need to tell people that one of the things they should be doing is spending some time every single day feeling good do something escape the pain for a while take a break from it take a vacation from it whether that's you know, brushing your granddaughter's hair, or or meditating, or prayer, or listening to music, or whatever it is, because you need to do that to re-energize. Right. Uh, our focus has been so much on uh, to get people better. What we need to do is find you know goal set with them and and find ways to get them to move forward and uh, um, and act. Right. And and I think that's important, but at the same time, we need this other piece that we've been sort of missing. All
1: right. And so you said, I don't know, you, you might. You said escape the pain, you know? And so right. I, with that, that's kind of an interesting, interesting phrase, you know, yeah. because then it's like, we get into medication, you know, like smoke some opium, escape the pain, you know, acetaminophen. It's like the number one leading cause or, or Tylenol, you know, number yeah. one leading cause of liver damage, I think in the mm-hmm. world, or at least the United States or North America, you know? So like that would be a form of escaping the pain.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and that's that's the pushback I get when I talk about the stuff. Well, what I'm trying to say is is that there's a purpose for it. So the purpose for this is to give you the energy and the ability to do what you need to do to get better, right? Right. But it's also it's an active process. It's um, you are doing something under your control rather than uh, relying completely on the medication. I think what we need to do is teach people that the the most powerful way to, uh, powerful and least damaging way to escape the pain is through, breath work and relaxation and music and art and you know all those things where we're actively involved in it rather than something we're taking just to numb it.
1: And I, I said acetaminophen is uh, Tylenol. It's actually aspirin. That was my mistake. Um, but Tylenol, I believe that's uh, willow willow bark. I was looking at, I was looking into this stuff last night, right. and that's that was like used during the times of Hippocrates. And it was yeah. um, apparently <laughs> it was said to have potentially been uh, a part of the the death of Beethoven, which um, you know I oh. never knew Beethoven, but that's what I read on Wikipedia last night and and uh so interesting stuff you know that we have all these different tools the one that i'm kind of curious about and i already mentioned weed and earlier in the conversation which is completely legal in oregon um and colorado and washington and soon to be you know the world hopefully um you know so so what do you think about utilizing natural supplements like this you know specifically marijuana you know because you know acetaminophen and stuff like that it's like it hurts your liver you know it's like i'd much rather go willow bark than than
0: tylenol you know if i have an option
1: you know so like what I, about something like marijuana which is essentially the the, will, the willow bark you know
0: well i mean i you know i i'm a physical therapist so you know pharmacy isn't my isn't my forte but i think there's some principles that we can consider here one is that if what you're doing is taking the pain from such an intense level down to a mild, mild to moderate level, so that you can now do the things that you need to do to get better and stay better, yeah. then I'm for it, right. you know, as long as the side effects aren't, aren't there. Right. So If I were to say you know, around, around marijuana, because you know, having worked with people with it, um, it works when people don't rely on it as the only escape route. Um, and I think that's one of the things I often say to people is if if you only have one escape route, that's not very adaptable. That's not how we live life well. Right. So, And that can be a really powerful one, right? Because as one of my patients said when I said, you know, what else do you do besides that for pain relief? And he gives me this look and says, why would I do anything else? Because right. Right? it's that effective. Right. Um, but I think that the other thing to, to consider is that one of the side effects that can get in our way is watch um, two one is this feeling of being more disconnected from yourself and so if you know the the things that we want to do I think are to try to find uh a way not to feel like we 're dissociating or leaving mm-hmm. right sure. and uh, so for some people I think that 's probably going to happen and I think the other thing that sometimes can happen is is it can it's uh, it can demotivate you right so if if, if your uh, pain management or your escape plan um, demotivates you to do things that you need to do to get better in the end, right. it's not such a great idea. Right. Well, yeah. so I feel comfortable talking to you about this because I see you got
1: an Alex Gray uh, painting in the background.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't you know. So, you I think it's very interesting the, the the thought that it could disassociate ourselves from ourselves because I see very, very acutely in our world the majority of the folks wandering around like normal America are disassociated from themselves. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so what is a bad trip? What is an uncomfortable feeling when you smoke some weed or whatever it is? I think what that uncomfortable feeling is is you recognizing your disassociation and it being put in your face and you saying, oh, I'm not Neil Pearson. You know, I'm not, I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not this all these different, like, puppet you know, projections that I put out into the world. I'm actually predominantly empty space and water, you know, floating around <laughs> the universe at a really
0: high speed. Yeah, well, I gotcha, but I still- <laughs> As a, as a you know as a physical therapist I want you to be able to feel your physical body because I truly believe that when you can feel your physical self better right. you'll get better better so um, I don't know enough about about marijuana and other pharmaceuticals to tell you what's going on but I can tell you as if if whatever you're doing doesn't have a lot of side effects and it's getting you to feel yourself more, where you actually can feel your physicality and connect with it in a better way, right. that makes sense, sure. right? Yeah. That, that's, we know that pain disrupts this in most of us. So if you find something that actually reconnects you, that would be awesome. Right. I just know that a lot of the people that I see, and of course, you know, who we see is very, uh, it's very personal, right? Sure. People tend to come to see you because of who you are. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't have a view of everybody, but a lot of the people that I see coming to me, um, the, the best way that they can get away from the pain is just to ignore themselves, ignore right. the body. We get so good at just sucking it up and gritting our teeth and carrying on, you know, developing that strength to persevere. Right. Um, and it seems that for a lot of people, what we need to do is, is get them to use that strength to focus on self more um, in positive, uh, beneficial ways.
1: Yeah. And so when I when I went off the deep end there with, you know, <laughs> we're all universal light energy, whatever, uh, <laughs> that's not, I don't think those concepts are all that relevant. I mean, it depends on how you perceive them, I guess, all that relevant on, on fixing your back pain. Um, it's just kind of like silly to talk about or fun to talk about and true, but yeah. still just kind of fun to talk about. Um, you know, but what I what I do feel with that is you know, and I don't like use a ton of weed or whatever. Um, but every once in a while, I do for sure. And I think, and the times that I do, it's very ceremonious. It's very intentional. You know, my my you know my house is clean, my car is clean, my work is done. You know, I feel really in my body. You know, or maybe I feel maybe maybe I feel a little bit out of my body, and I want to come back into it and yeah. and have some type of uh i don't know like meme or assistant to kind of like bring me back into that place right. and, and so what i've found with that and this is just my personal experience this doesn't need to relate to anyone else what i found with that is smoke a little bit of marijuana and then all of a sudden the things that i thought were really important that might not have been important start to fall away right and the things that are really important is how well am I moving in this organism? How free do I feel in my body? How are my relationships? Am I safe in this world? You know, like, like the things. It's like, yes. You know, and then it gets into things like, <clears> like yoga or things like movement practice or things like gymnastics or climbing a mountain or whatever. It's like, it's like that really feeds my soul. You know, I don't really do much yoga, but like yogic type movements, you know, and that's yeah. something that I've found with supplements like that which I think it's very interesting that we villainize them for total nonsensical reasons. you know. And now all of a sudden there's this taboo around it and it's like weird to talk about it on a podcast because I think people might judge me. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Because you know, I, I, I know you know we're talking about this. People will have a judgment around me based on it. And what really what I'm saying in the end is what you described as where you get is exactly where we need to get People. Right, a lot of times when we're suffering a lot, when there's a lot of pain, right, um, and I know that people can do that through uh, meditation, through prayer, through breathing, through yoga, through walking up a mountain, through watching a sunset, right. right. And and you're saying, but you know, you could do this through through smoking some weed. I think there's all different paths we can take, and we need to, as individuals, find the path that works. That really works for us, right? And not yes. that not just works right now, right? That works uh, that fits with who we are and where we want to go in life, and that we can do over and over and over again, you know, to repeat it, right? Right. Because it's the repetition of that that's what's really going to change things down the road,
1: right? And what you're getting at, you know, is like sometimes you, know, you don't need to if, if god sends you a, you know you call god and he gives you a message or whatever it is like you don't need to keep on calling every 30 minutes you know it's like take the message and utilize it you know if you if you utilize said substance whatever like ayahuasca is a big thing now or whatever it's like you know utilize some substance maybe or not whatever it's all you can get all of these places without any substances absolutely you know but yes. what can happen with that sometimes is, you know, you, you use a little bit of marijuana and then all of a sudden you realize your breath is so important. Oh my God. You know, like I, I didn't even think about breathing into my back between my shoulder blades. I didn't even think about my pelvic floor, my diaphragm, my pericardium, like you start to get into this. Oh my God, this whole organism is alive. You know, right. and then you take that, you take some notes on it, you know, videotape yourself, whatever you do, you know, like yeah. take some notes on the experience and carry that with you. You know, that's, I think that is the key. It's not becoming dependent on some peripheral right. resource. Yeah. You use all the tools that we have, you know, explore the poopoo platter of our resources and some of them won't work. Leave them behind immediately, you know, discard what
0: doesn't work and utilize what does. If well, if we take that even back to like physical therapy is that this is a, what you just described is exactly what I think we need to do with, as physical therapists when we're working with somebody. Right. If we can get them to that place where they can move with more ease and they have less pain, we need to tell the story that you just told of, hey, look, you can get here. Like, How do we get you back here over and over and over again? Because if we can do that, that's what's going to work. Um but unfortunately, what's happened with a lot of the hands-on therapists, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's physio, massage, chiropractic, any, you know, osteopaths, is that um, people have become reliant on that treatment, not recognize that the treatment that got them to that place um, is supposed to open the door, so now that they can do more of the stuff that they need to do to get better.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Um, that was really fun. Thanks for letting <laughs> me. Thanks for letting me rant. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no phrase. <laughs> ah! um, you so, me thinking about some new things. Oh, okay, good. That's good. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, so, uh, where do people find you? I, I dig your information. I appreciate uh, you coming on.
0: Sure. Uh, so, I've got a website. It's uh, www.lifeisnow.ca. So, you know, so you're in the States. So, I always want to make a point is yes, I'm in Canada, but my website is not Life is Snow. Right. My website is Life is <laughs> Now. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, it's lifeisnow.ca. Um, yeah, and people can go in there. There's a ton of open access resources on there right now. Uh, within the next month, there's going to be a full revamp of the website, and uh, it's actually going to have a, an opportunity for you to go through a complete pain self care curriculum, taking you through uh, knowledge about pain, uh, the breathing you need to do, the awareness you need to do, the self regulation you need to do, the goal setting you need to do, all that stuff right there. Um, it would take you probably between four and six months to actually work through all the information that's going to be on the website.
1: Awesome. Cool, Neil. So I still don't know what the hell pain is but I had a great time talking to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, big fail, all right. <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> See you, man.